Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Counter, an NFL podcast from USA Today Sports. Chuck, I need to know your prediction for what's going to happen uh, with Bomani Jones. Uh, we, you know, this is a podcast. Bomani's like, I don't know, is he the best podcaster? He's one of them, right? Uh, he's, he, he just put out on Twitter. He said that he's going to he's, he's got a story today. He's, he's got he's got something to say. He's got an announcement. I'm wondering got, what you oh, think. Oh, really? Is. Yeah. I don't know what it could be. Uh, so uh, we'll, we'll see what's going on there. But, you know, Bamani's smart. He's I'm sure it's going to be something that blows everybody's mind uh, when he, you know, releases whatever it is he has to say. And I, I know I saw the uh, uh, awful announcing thing that said he's probably going to leave ESPN. Uh, yeah. He, yeah. Basically, he said, like, a lot of that was just reading the tea leaves, but he he does have something to say. Uh, so I'm I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah, yeah. Really to see Bomani unleashed. Uh, this is the counter. Uh, we are uh, part of the NFL team for for the win, and uh, we're here to give you some picks. We'll tell you. Uh, well, Charles will, <laughs> you're doing well. You, you went eight and eight last week, right? So you're like, yeah. you're still hovering around 500. Yeah. Charles Curtis caught up to me. He had a good week last week. Oh, did he? I think yeah, he, still... went, he went 10 and six. I went oh, eight and wow. eight. Oh, wow. All right. It's getting, it's getting heated. I like it. Uh, so we're going to go through picks for each game. Uh, we're going to talk about a couple stories percolating around the NFL. Uh, Justin Fields is in fact, the Chicago Bears starter. Uh, we've been advocating for that for a while. Um, but we will break that down a little bit. Urban Meyer is still the head coach of the Jaguars. We've been advocating for that not to be the case. Uh, apparently, Shad Khan didn't listen to us. Uh, Going to talk Thursday night football. Actually, a good game this week. Really, really uh, exciting matchup. Um, and the Stephon Gilmore trade. Um, you know, the Patriots end up sending him to the Panthers, uh, which, you know, if if anybody had said six weeks ago that it would be really interesting for the Panthers to make a trade like that, nobody would have believed you, but it's a really interesting trade and, and maybe yeah. puts the Panthers, uh, you know, they uh, lost horn and, you know, now to have a replacement sort of puts that defense back in a place where it can maybe compete. We saw it get exposed a little bit against the Cowboys, which the Cowboys have so many weapons and a great quarterback who knows how to use them. Uh, but having, you know, having uh, a player of Gilmore's caliber, it's a pretty big step. So we're going to break all that down. Uh, let's start with Justin Fields. You you wrote a little ditty about this um, yesterday when it was finally announced that Matt Nagy had made the decision. Uh, and I, I want to get your analysis of it a, a little bit. But what what do you think finally triggered this? Uh, like, why? Why now? I, honestly, I, I don't really know. Maybe he finally he watched the tape from. <laughs> uh, it, it's, I, I don't really know because. You know, people were tweeting at me like, 
what could have changed in the past six days for this to happen? Uh, my response is, what changed in the past two days for this to happen? Because, right. you know, even after that game on, on Sunday where Fields just blacked out and, you know, just dominated the Lions, uh, basically outside of like one play where your snap was bad, he got sacked for 24 yards. You know, he, he played as well as we thought that he could have been when he was drafted out of Ohio State. And then right after the game, Matt Nagy says, oh, Andy's still the starter where he gets healthy. And right. Now, Justin is the starter because they saw him in practice do some things that they didn't know he could do or he looks more confident. Like, yeah, like when you give a guy more reps with the starting offense, he's going to look a little bit better, Matt. Like that's how things tend to happen. So, <laughs> right. I don't know if it's just like public pressure getting to him and yeah. him just realizing that he's just being stubborn and doing the wrong thing because he's like on his way out and this is like the last little bit of power he holds. But I still don't have a clear answer to me, at least, as to why this change happened now. Right, right. I mean, and nobody seems to, right? The Jeff Dickerson, who covers the Bears for ESPN, like wrote this story, like why uh, five reasons why the Chicago Bears are sticking with Justin Fields. And then all the reasons are like things that nothing changed. The Bears moved up to get him. That's been true since the draft. Right. Uh, Dalton's knee injury has been around for a little bit, uh, like I, you know, I guess maybe that's the one thing. Maybe they decided Dalton's knee injury is serious enough that he's not going to get all the way back. Uh, but three was big play potential. Like Justin Fields has had bigger big play potential than any Dalton, like literally for five years now. Like he, he was a college quarterback who was more likely to make, you know, who, who had a better arm and, and, could run uh and number four is he can run and then number five it's what the city wanted uh so you know like to me that's maybe as close to anything the answer is that somebody just said to matt nagy somebody in the in the organization just said like you know we got to give fans what they want and you brought up a good point in your post (laughs) justin fields like this is a crazy thing to say, right? This dude is is a few weeks into his his professional career, but he has all the makings of potentially the best quarterback in Bears history. Uh, and I'm I'm sorry that I'm laughing because I have relatives in, in Chicago, but like that is so true. Like the Chicago Bears are a cursed quarterback franchise. Like they had Sid Luckman, uh, who finished his career in 1950, and then it's like. Jay Cutler, yeah, uh, uh, Jim McMahon, Jim Harbaugh, Rex Grossman. Oh, remember Rex Grossman? This is what I'm saying. Like I, I wrote that, like he could easily become the best Bear quarterback. <laughs> easily, of all time. easily. Uh, because like here's the thing with Sid Luckman. Like 1942. Okay, dude, like, there's no quarterbacking. There's just look. We're black, people we're, running. We're black players even allowed? Right? Not in Chicago. Yeah, I, I, if you if you were playing pre-integration, I'm sorry. I'm I'm not taking that as seriously maybe as you would like me to. So no, yeah. I, Justin Fields, like the the bar for him to become like I, the best Bears quarterback of the modern era is very, very low. Like, basically, right. all he has to do is put together a few seasons of, like, above-average passing and dynamic running, and that's all it's going to take. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm happy for, you know, Bears fans. Uh, my dad, who has, you know, been swimming in misery for oh, basically man. his Poor entire guy. adult life. Uh, now, you know, he, he's got someone that we can root for. Uh, and, you know, it, Justin Fields is also just – fun to watch. So, you know, like I said, the, the barrier to becoming the best 
uh, Bears quarterback of all time, not very high. And honestly, he might be able to make a, a, a stake for that claim by the end of the season. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it really, I had not thought much about the history of the Chicago Bears quarterback position until I read your story and I was thinking about it. And it really is true. It's, uh, it's bad. Just been a wasteland. Um, it's hard to believe that. You know, one of the more historic franchises uh, just has never really found a good answer. And now they finally have one and they were like slow playing it uh, for for reasons that, as we discussed, we have no idea. Uh, As you watch film, as as you've watched like the Bears, uh, both with Dalton and with Fields, uh, how how uh, tailored is this offense right now for Justin Fields? and, And what do you think you'll see? as it evolves to, to really fit him now that he's the guy. Uh, yeah. I, I thought one of the big things that they did was just one, the offensive line held up a lot better than they did last mm-hmm. week. I mean, not facing uh, miles Garrett helps. And then the, the, the lines lost their best pass rusher, uh, uh, Romeo Aquara uh, during the game. So, mm-hmm. you know, that helps uh, just in general. Like I thought that, kind of the, the play calling for Justin Fields' sake was just not as scared as it was against the the Browns. And I think and I think it's like a different type of scare that you have against the Browns where I almost feel like like I don't like I don't want to accuse Matt Nagy of sabotage. So like I'll just say like struck by fear maybe of mm-hmm. what was happening in that game and how many sacks they were taking and you know maybe it just felt like such an insurmountable problem that they couldn't really think of a, a situation on the fly or, right. or a solution on the fly. But this week, you know, you have a little bit more six-man protections. You have more uh, plays where the running back is at least staying into chip before going out on a route. And then I thought the big thing was you let him actually take some downfield throws, which to me is like one of his strengths coming out of Ohio State. Like just right. this guy who, even if things are not going right, like you can hit a big play down the field. Like I, not to – compare the two like talent wise because I think Fields is a higher ceiling but like it's almost kind of the way that like Daniel Jones has been able to keep a starting job like over the past couple of years where you know you, you you might mess up on some short and intermediate stuff but when we ask you to throw deep and try to generate a big play you can do that and I thought that that's one area that Justin Fields uh really shine you know the the throw to Allen Robinson people he coming back to was obviously incredible along the sideline uh he had another deep throw to Darnell Mooney I mean you know, he had 207 yards on 17 pass attempts. So, you know, right. you, you're getting a lot out of those uh, attempts that you have. Uh, you know, there's still some stuff to clean up. Like, I thought that there was one uh, cross that he threw to Darnell Mooney where, you know, Mooney made the catch and it was a big game, but he had to jump a little bit and then fell. But if he could have stayed on his feet, you know, you're talking about, uh, you know, 50 or 60-yard play. Uh, so, you know, it, it's it's all the things that you want to see from Justin Fields, and then, you know, you have the athleticism and the running uh, that are going to just add up to the offense that you can do. Like, the, the play that I posted on Twitter and in the article where, you know, he's, you know, you kind of forget how fast this guy is because he's so, he, he wants to be someone that sits in the pocket first, so you mm-hmm. kind of forget that he's, like, a legit four 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 three guy. Right. And he, he had a play where he broke the pocket and was trying to decide, like, am I going to throw it? Am I going to run for a first down? It's third and four. And then he decides to just take off and he toasted uh, the safety that was running after him and beat someone else to the sideline and ended up getting like eight or nine yards on third and four. So 
you know, that's a play that Andy Dalton can't make. And if any, if Matt Nagy wants to save his job, he should probably go with the guy <laughs> making plays that uh, his other guy can't make. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing too about you, you, you talking about Nagy just seeming afraid and that it really did feel that way every time fields got in at any point in the season, just that they had installed this offense for Dalton and they weren't going to adjust to fields, even though he's such a different player, especially compared to 2021 Andy Dalton, right? This guy is getting up there. Yeah. Uh, this is not, I mean, he was a little, he could throw on the run when he was younger, right? He could move around a little bit, but Justin Fields is a totally different athlete. And also those throws down the field, like why, why wouldn't you go to that early to show defenses that he can do that? Because that changes everything underneath, right? Like if a team sees a guy throw the ball 50 yards in a rope, which Justin Fields can do and now has done in the NFL, that changes everything that they're going to do and opens up some of those throws that maybe he's struggling with over the middle or out to the flats or whatever. Uh, it changes what he's seeing. It's, it changes everything, uh, and like that's that's why you draft. A, like, that's why you trade up to get a guy like Justin Fields because he scares defensive coordinators and, and changes what they're going to do. Uh, and you know, it just seems like Matt Nagy. The, the theme of the year for him has just been slow adaptation to what's in front of him. Uh, but and now, now the right decision has been made, and I guess we'll see how uh, the Bears adjust and, and how Fields adapts to this. Uh, position that you know, I think we've all thought he was ready for for a while. Uh, let's uh, let's talk let's talk about the uh, the Gilmore trade. Uh, I I guess what I'm wondering here is if you have a theory. So the Patriots, it was well known that they were looking to trade him. The Patriots were. You know, they're in sort of a little mini rebuild. He's a, a more expensive veteran. Um, you know, and, and Bill Belichick just has a history of getting rid of dudes before they start falling off. Like, that's sort of how he operates. Uh, and so they they never found a trade partner. And then yesterday, w- word leaked that he was going to be waived. And then all of a sudden, word leaked that he wasn't going to be waived because a bunch of teams made uh, trade offers. Well, I, what is your understanding of what happened here? Like, why wouldn't wouldn't Bill Belichick have like called around before leaking the fact that he was going to get cut? Like, was I, I'm just confused about what happened. Uh, well, I mean, we all know that Gilmore was looking for a new contract. Uh, right. I'm not sure why he. I'm not really sure like why he hasn't been playing all that much. I don't know if this is like a way for him to just say, "Oh, I'm hurt. Like, need a new deal." Uh, right. Like just to extend that without you know risking himself for injury on the field, uh, so you know the Panthers come in with you know a twenty twenty three six rounder, so six rounder two drafts from now, right? And you know if Gilmore is even like seventy percent of what he was in right. twenty nineteen, that's a huge win for the Panthers. Where you know you're getting someone who can be like a top ten cornerback. Like I don't know if he's still best cornerback in the league type of guy, but. Still, right. like this is someone you would like to have. He's him. better than C.J. Henderson. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, for sure. you know, like, uh, uh, and and I guess you know you get to a point where if neither sides are budging on money, may, maybe Bill just kind of decide, fine, then we're we're done here, and maybe the the saying that they were going to waive him is a way to get uh, picks, but you know, I I I think that one thing that's interesting about this trade is, I. Uh, I, I wonder if the, the Panthers were able to sell Gilmore on 
hey, come over here, come back home, which is the big thing. And he talks about Rock Hill right. uh, and what that area means to him. It's about 30 minutes south of Charlotte. Right. Uh, and uh, hey, come here, come back home and, you know, play out your current contract in the area that's familiar to you. I, I wonder if that was the pitch for them, uh, because it, it just kind of seems baffling that the Patriots, you know, maybe, maybe they should just a, a Patriots thing where they played hardball to the point where they kind of screwed this up and had to let Gilmore go. Uh, but, you know, from my understanding, Gilmore is he's from Rock Hill. He already has a house in Charlotte. Uh, mm-hmm. Scott Fitter, the GM, said that Gilmore lives like three or four. <laughs> yeah, a couple down. doors down. Right. right. So, you know, I, I don't think that, you know, that was the deciding factor for him. But we know that that area means uh, a lot to Stefan Gilmore and look like if you're going if you're at this point in your career you know you're kind of thinking about what's next for you uh after football I can imagine that hey how about you we go back home to a team that is three and one they appear to have a pretty good team culture uh and you know you already have a home in the area and your family is 30 minutes away like that's uh, a pretty easy sell, I can imagine, uh, if you're already down to the point of, you know, we need suitors and uh, we need to make this thing happen. And I think also, you know, the Panthers, they could have gotten in there before the Bucks had a chance to sign him in free agency, too. Like, I, I don't think that that uh, ignored as well, because the Bucks cornerback situation, as we saw on uh, Monday, is right. not the great. And you don't get to play Mac Jones every week. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, there were presumably a bunch of teams that would have wanted Gilmore. Yeah, the Packers were in there, too. Uh, yeah. The you have to think that the Chiefs were probably thinking about it. Uh, I mean, they're... Uh, well, the thing that's so interesting to me is, like, this market inefficiency where you get to this point where, you know, you have these veterans that we know are good football players getting traded for, like, fifth and sixth-round picks. Like, the, right. uh, the Calais Campbell trade comes to mind. Yeah, And, I mean... You ask the Ravens what what they would rather have over the past years, like elite run defense from Clyde Campbell or, you know, some fifth round rookie that might not even be on the team anymore. It's just weird that this is a spot that, you know, those picks end up being somewhat valuable. Right. And the salary, you know, the salary cap, the I, the flatness of it is probably exacerbated the problem, right? Like it, it hasn't gone up the way it was supposed to because of the pandemic. Uh, so there's even more crunch and you're just seeing guys, you know, the, uh, the Cowboys cut that linebacker, Jalen Smith, uh, right. It, like mm-hmm. that was the same thing. Like they, you know, uh, plan like he's obviously a good player. They decided that Micah Parsons was good enough to fill most of that and they would rather save the money down, down the line. Um, and he, I guess he just signed with the Packers. Um, but yeah, it's, it's sort of a weird, uh, you know, it's, it's a different way for rosters to be put together than maybe what we're used to a few years ago. Uh, but just what happens when you have this, uh, you know, everything based on the salary cap. It's so yeah. important. Uh, the Panthers, man, they, <laughs> Uh, it looks like they could get Christian McCaffrey back this week against the Eagles. The Eagles are terrible. Uh, they got the Vikings after that, Giants, Falcons, Patriots. Like, this team is set up to make a playoff run. Uh, they, they they don't really have a tough, tough game until November 14th when they're at Arizona. Um, so, we'll have to, 
you know, worth watching. Uh, also worth watching tonight's Thursday night game. It's the Rams versus the Seahawks. I know that in your picks, uh, you pointed out that the Seahawks defense has not been good against good teams. So it feels like the Rams will uh, be able to put up some yards in this one. The Rams coming off that loss to the Cardinals. Um, what, do you, what are you thinking about this game? What's, uh, what are you excited about to watch tonight? I'm really just kind of excited to see uh, Matthew Stafford just torch his defense. Honestly, <laughs> uh, I, that that is just what I'm most excited to see. Uh, right. That offense is just so much fun when they're rolling, and I just feel like this is the perfect uh, matchup for uh, them to kind of exploit on a short week. And you know, I used to be a defensive guy, but now I've become a guy like, show me the touchdowns, man. Like, show me the big play. <laughs> like, I, I want to see all that stuff. So, you know, Deshaun Jackson, Matthew Stafford, all the speed that they have a wide receiver uh, on a short versus the Seahawks. Honestly, I'm just excited to see them put that to use. Yeah, that's a, that's a big change to go from uh, defense to, to being an offensive guy. How'd that happen? Uh, I started looking at this more as like a, a entertainment product instead of like this hard physical game. Cause, <laughs> cause you know, like the, the further you, you get removed from playing the game, I just feel like, I was like, ah, like I like watching big plays and I don't really care when defenses get mad as much. Like there's still some DPI stuff that, that, that bothers me, but you know, for the most part, scoring touchdowns is good for, for us as a, as a business, you know? Yeah. That's that's true. That's why people watch. What did you make of it's a little bit of a detour? Uh, but Brandon Staley had this quote about running the football, and and the reason it's important is because it brings a physical element. Everybody sort of went crazy about it, and I, I, I was just sort of confused as to why people got so excited about that quote. Yeah, I don't know. It, I, to me, he was just saying stuff that was like kind of obvious. The, right. The the one thing that I kind of wish that he had gotten to, which I think he was alluding to was when he's he was saying um uh he was saying like you you want to run to get the physical element on the field but if he had just took taking like a step further and saying like you know this is how because if if you if you run you can kind of keep the defense from going into like six or seven defensive backs on the field Mm -hmm. uh because right. I think that's kind of what he was talking about. Because you know right. you, you don't want to get into a situation where you got you know DBs on you know, right. linemen and tight ends because that's that's how you get into a situation like what the Packers were dealing with uh, when they lost the NFC Championship game, the game where Jimmy Garoppolo threw like eight passes and right. they got torched. Like you can't live in a dime or quarter defense because because of the physicality of the game, you know, you're just going to get body on body and just get blown up. And I mean, you know, I, I think he was just trying to say like in a nice way, you know, this still is a game with people on the field and those people are feeling things that you really can't quantify uh, because football is a very painful sport. And (laughs) you can inflict pain on the other people. You have a, a good chance of winning. Right. Right. I mean, so much of it is about manipulating, how many large dudes they have versus how many fast dudes they have. And uh, like, you cannot hope to pass the ball if they just are, like you said, have six, seven really fast guys out there who can match up. Uh, Defenses are so sophisticated. Those players are so smart and well-trained at moving to where they need to move and they can get there. And it makes it hard on any quarterback. You know, you're forcing them to throw into 
the tiniest of windows in that situation. So if you can run the ball a little bit and, and make them play linebackers, you know, and play their bigger linebackers, that's, uh, that's what you want. You know, that's the battle we see every, every week. Um, what uh in tonight's game what what's sort of the key matchup for you uh the Seahawks are the secondary is just not good and yeah. uh, I, I think Sidney Jones is now starting at cornerback uh that looks like it could be a real problem uh yeah the the, the that is a big one and then you know my buddy uh he, this is a, a Twitter deep cut, but Seahawks, <laughs> uh, you know, I think it was C, C Mike spin move or something like that. I, I right. forget exactly. His, his name's Griff, but uh, he does like a fantastic job breaking down Seattle's defense on a level that even I, you know, goes over my head a little bit sometimes. Uh, and basically, he's saying that Bobby Wagner is not the same player that he used to be. So uh, interesting. Uh, so you know, I'm, I'm kind of interested to see because we know that. You know these these newer play callers like you know how Stephen would do the meme where it's uh you know, yeah Nate, Nate Geary yeah. yeah he's got his uh his little microscope glasses or whatever on the right. linebacker like I kind of wonder if uh if if the Rams are going to do a thing tonight where they try to like stretch the field horizontally vertically mm. make Bobby run and then cut receivers under and over him so. Uh, I'm interested to see just the ways that they attack this this pass defense because really it's kind of all there for the taking. I mean, uh, Seattle's pass rush has not been great this year. They're banged up on defense and their cornerbacks are really young. So, uh, yeah. I, I'm I I I like if they can just kind of keep Jamal Adams and Quandre Diggs from you know getting like a play or two on defense that flips the game around. I really think the steamroll up. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, Seahawks linebacking core just in general. And, and I don't, you know, I didn't look at snap uh, charts or anything before, but Jordan Brooks is below average, you know, like, especially for a first round pick. And then uh, I don't even know who they else they have playing Cody Barton, maybe uh, like it's just not good. You know, like you were so accustomed to the Seahawks being able to roll out guys who were at least competent at, at pretty much every position. And, that's a real. I, I mean, they're. It looks like just their back. I mean, every <laughs> everyone, uh, in their back seven is questionable. It looks like so. Yeah. Um, it should be should be the Rams, uh, sort of pulling that defense apart and putting up yards. Uh, all right, you want to get into picks? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Uh, all right, uh, that game you went with the Rams. No surprise. The Seahawks are getting two and a half. Uh, even though they're at home. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, as you point out, the Seahawks handled Jimmy G and Trey Lance last week. It'll be different this week. Uh, Jets at Falcons. Wow. Wow. This game is going to happen, huh? Falcons minus three and a half. <laughs> yeah, I, I went with the Falcons here, actually. I know. Uh, I know. And honestly, this is just more me being exposed to Jets football. Uh, this season, that team, <laughs> that team is really, really bad. Like, like I, I know I talk a lot of crap about the Falcons, and I mean they definitely might lose this game. I mean, whatever, it's what they do. They're, they're known to do stuff. Like this. But I, I really do think that they're uh, a little bit better, you know, than where the Jets are right now. Uh, I, 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 that like that Jets passing offense is really bad. Uh, like even so bad that the Falcons can maybe even play well against them. So. 
Uh, you know, I, I think that this game is actually interesting because mm, there's wow. like not not in like in the the whole sixty minutes will be interesting, but right. there's like like weirdly a, a decent amount of star power here. Where uh, you know, on the Jets defense, they have uh, Quinn Williams, who basically since he has recovered from his shoulder injury that you know hurt him early in the season, has been like totally unblockable. Uh, they have C.J. Mosley, who's playing lights out football uh, on defense. Right. Then you know you have Zach Wilson uh, at quarterback, and on the Falcons side, you know you even got guys like like Ridley, Pitts, uh, Grady Jarrett. You know guys that that people have heard of that are still playing uh, good football in their prime. So you know it may not be a cool sixty minute games, but I started like running, just running through the rosters, and I'm like oh you know there's actually a handful of players that I enjoy watching just for like the sake of being a football fan. So maybe that's something you can get into, but I do think that uh, the Falcons take this game home. Uh, Pitt's breakout game. Is it coming? Uh, I don't know, but Hey, look, if there's any week for him to do it, it's this week because you can have more fans cheering him on than he has at any Falcons game this season. Yeah. I feel bad for you that this, these are the two, like these are probably the two NFL teams that you know, the best. most well right yeah i, I got hit the up most time thinking about a lot for you know jets podcast this week and uh and i'm just sitting there i'm like do i really know that much about the jets still and then i'm rattling off like their depth chart off the top of my head. <laughs> yep i i'm still inundated with this team uh so, it doesn't go yeah, away. look I, i'll be up at 9 30 with my coffee with a little bit of alcohol in it just to see if i can get through the day uh eagles at panthers talked about what's going on with the panthers panthers are uh giving three and a half on this one you went with the birds uh yeah i did uh just because i feel like the panthers defense is still trying to figure out what they're doing without uh jc horn and also i I think that the eagles defensive line uh particularly the interior is they're in a spot where uh, they can play well against this Panthers offensive line. Like this, this one was actually pretty tough for me to pick, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I feel like in a in a moment like this moment in time where the Panthers defense is still kind of in uh, transition a little bit as they figure out how, like who to put where now that JC Horns out because you know, I think we saw versus Dallas like Dallas's offense is a juggernaut, but still like you felt the impact of not having uh, your stud rookie corner out there who, who was really playing as good a ball as you know, most corners in the league uh, outside of like Jalen Ramsey, uh, at least I thought until he got hurt. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a big loss to deal with. And I think that this Eagles uh, offense, they have like just enough to maybe make it scrappy uh, towards the end. And I'm going to take them to cover the spread, but I'm not quite sure if they win the game. You, uh, you say here, Jalen Hurts' production this year is a little funny money. I wanted to dig in on that a little bit. There was a tweet going around this week that uh, compared Hurts' first, I guess, eight games to Lamar Jackson's first eight games, and Hurts' numbers looked a little bit better. Uh, but I certainly agree that that's, like, that's not a, a true indication of where Jalen Hurts is. But what do you mean when you say that it's been a little funny money? I mean, he's obviously put up huge numbers against bad defenses. Yeah, like uh, the Falcons game, I think, is kind of a good example. And even the game the, the, the week later against San Francisco where, I mean, versus the Falcons, you just had a ton of short passes. Like, I think he ended up with a yard per attempt of nine and his A dot was like three. So, right. you know, that kind of tells the story there. You're getting a, a ton of yards after the catch, making guys miss. 
uh, all that stuff, which, you know, doesn't really have too much to do with the quarterback as long as you're just getting the ball there uh, on time and, uh, you know, not making – not just not leading guys right into the teeth of the defense, which is not the most difficult job for an NFL quarterback to do. Uh, and then, you know, the, the week after against San Francisco, like you're not hitting much, but you're hitting a nine ball that goes for like 90 yards uh, or a go-around, I should say. Uh, you know, just run straight down the field, and that's one thing that he can do. But outside of that, he's not doing all that much as a passer. It's like short stuff and really long stuff. Uh, in the intermediate portion of the field, you know, it sounds like football hardo cliche guy, but, you know, that is an important thing that you need to be able to hit to keep defenses honest so they can't just back up because, or back up or crowd the line of scrimmage because, honestly, like if I'm a defensive coordinator – playing the Eagles, I'm just going to be like, fine, like you hit that nine ball as much as you can, because that's a, a really low percentage throw. Uh, and even if you're able to hit it at an above average league rate, that's still, uh, you know, not something you can rely on, like to, to, to keep you in games, like constantly. So, uh, right. you know, I, I think that Jalen Hurts has certainly improved over last year. Like, I don't think that mm-hmm. anyone can deny that, but in terms of like anointing him as like the next, long-term Eagles quarterback. I'm not quite there, but, you know, I, I will say this, like, we're talking about a guy who has, what, like, nine, ten start in his career, so, you know, I don't want to come down too hard on him uh, and say that this is just what's going to be forever because within those nine games, he's shown that he can play uh, a lot better football from game one to game ten, so, um, right. you know, I, I think that what he's done right now is like, eh, the numbers look good when you go back and watch it. So it's just all right. But he, this is definitely someone who has potential to get better down the road. Right. And yeah. And while the Eagles have all the draft capital in the world uh, to, to pick a quarterback, it might not like, there might not be a quarterback to pick <laughs> like uh, the, the draft class. It just does not look that impressive. I mean, obviously hype is going to build guys are going to emerge when a draft season comes, people are going to get fired up about on campus workouts or combine or whatever. Like we know quarterbacks will go in the first round, but like sitting here now looking at that class, like, is it like how convinced is anyone that any of those guys are going to be drastically better than Jalen hurts? Uh, You know, like, so the Eagles are in an interesting spot. Um, Dolphins at Bucks. Bucks are giving ten and a half in this game. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I <laughs> dude, dude, to play yeah. percent, it, it it just has to look good. Uh, at least he's trying out there. Like, at least you can't say it's like some Roethlisberger crap where he's just like right. floundering. He's trying. He's just he's not that good. Uh, and I think that you know, it's not just him, like the Dolphins as a whole, they just don't look good this year. Uh, The defense is not playing as well as last year. They're not getting as many turnovers, which is, you know, kind of hard to, you know, parse from a year to year uh, sample size. Like it's hard to be a team that gets a ton of turnovers every single year because those can be kind of random. And they're kind of seeing the effects of uh, not being able to do that this year. They're just kind of like a mediocre defense. Uh, and when you have right. a mediocre defense with a really, 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 really bad passing game on the other side on offense, you're, you're not going to win a lot of football games. Uh, and I think that that's the unfortunate place that the Dolphins have found themselves. Yeah. And, I mean, it just feels like the Buccaneers will, uh, you know, it, it's, a, it's a huge spread. but And and the Bucks' secondary has not been good. But, yeah, the uh, – 
I think it was like you very early on in the season, you were just like, I, I don't care about the Dolphins. And you t- it turned out to be right. Like you yeah. had a hunch that this was just not a team to really get attention about. Uh, get it, excited. And even when Tua comes back, like I'm not sure that this is something that's going to look like markedly better. Like I, I definitely don't expect them to be, you know, bottom two or three passing game in the league. But, you know, now that Will Fuller, Will Fuller is on injury reserve, uh, I don't know. Like this still feels like something that'll be like bottom seven, bottom eight in that territory. Right. Uh, and that's not good enough to get you back to the playoffs. And then, you know, we don't have to talk about this today because it just is mind numbing, but you know, it brings them to an interesting decision that they might have to make with that quarterback down in Houston uh, this off season, because it sounds like yeah. the owner is uh, really interested in getting that done. <laughs> oh man. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Saints at the football team. The football team is getting two and a half. Uh, you pick the Saints. Your reasoning, <laughs> Washington is not a good team. They just got lucky with the little falconing last week. They, yeah, they, they did. Uh, you know, keep in mind, like, this is the first team that the Falcons have looked like the offense that we thought we were going to see all season. Uh, you know, Matt Ryan had easily his best game of the season. I think for the week he was uh, – Pro Football Focus's highest graded quarterback with like a 92 grade. So, you know, when you've been kind of getting punched in the mouth all week, all season, I guess the the Washington defense is what the doctor ordered. Uh, and honestly, like <laughs> Washington should have lost this game, but you know, it's the it's the Falcons and like random stuff like this happens. Where <laughs> you just don't tackle JD McKissick as he's run to the end zone when you have plenty of opportunities and the game ends. Uh, like I, I, I still am not convinced that this Washington team is a good team. I, I think their defense is like really, really bad. And beyond just the the defensive line issues that they're suffering, like their cornerback play uh, has been pretty bad. Landon Collins been pretty bad. And right now they're just kind of relying on Cam Cameron Cole, who Cameron Curl, I mean, who's a a good player, but you know it's a former seventh round pick who is playing strong safety for the most part. Like that's. That's tough, uh, and, and that's a lot to put on his plate to kind of, uh, you know, hold that defense together. So I'm going to roll with the Saints, and I think that James Winston has a, a pretty strong day as they as they win this one. Uh, Patriots at Texans. The Texans are getting seven and a half. Uh, this this line says to me that uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of doubt in Vegas about Mac Jones's ability to run the offense because the Texans just lost forty to nothing. So. Uh, and you learned you learned your lesson. You said uh, that you picked the Texans last week, and and then in the foreverts you had to write about how bad right. Davis Mills was. Right, I had to I had to pull a Stephen A. Where you know Stephen, <laughs> Stephen A. He'll, he'll predict something, and if it doesn't come right, he just hammers the team that he predicted. <laughs> so he takes it out on right. Them he, for- you got to take it out on them. So I look uh, against my better judgment. I guess I picked the Texans to cover uh, a sixteen and a half point spread, and they didn't get anywhere close to that. Uh, I'm just going to learn from my lesson and take the Patriots this week. I don't have too much to say about this game. I mean, Mac Jones versus this Texas team, I couldn't really be less interested. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Broncos at Steelers, also not a super interesting game. Steelers, uh, uh, minus 1.5. Both of you went with the Broncos. Uh, So more faith in Drew Locke than Ben Rossberger right now. Uh, I I have not given this like a ton of thought, but I'm wondering if Pittsburgh's 
nosedive, right? So this team is 11 and 0 to start last year. It's I think it's won two games since then. Uh, a lot of those games have been like by 10 points, like double digits. I think uh, they have barely led. Uh, oh, actually here, I found a Will Graves tweet. Uh, they've led for less than 30 minutes out of a possible 240 in 2021. Uh, like this is a really, really bad football team. and has been since late last year. Uh, it's just like, it's, I mean, the nosedive is just startling how quickly it fell off. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there were warning signs last year because right. the offense was never good, even as they were winning games. Uh, but now like the bottom has totally fallen out. Uh, wonder if Juju Smith-Schuster uh, feels like he should be in Baltimore, Kansas city right now. Uh, instead yeah. of Pittsburgh. Uh, but you know, part of the problem is like the defense has not been as good as it was last year. Uh, you know, they're not getting sacks at the same rate. Their coverage has not been as good. And when your offense continues to get worse from where they were last year, it's a, it's a pretty bad strategy for, for, you know, trying to to build a team. And shockingly, as people said, uh, last year or not last year, but early this year during the draft, Najee Harris has not fixed any of your problems on this offense. (laughs) Uh, You know, your quarterback still is not willing to throw down the field. You're off of the line, still can't block. Uh, and now he's just in a situation where he's getting the ball back to back weeks on fourth and long and just getting pummeled behind the line of scrimmage. So, you know, I, I don't really see where this team gets better, where, where anything gets alleviated. And you're right. Like, it's been such a fast drop off for them. Like, Steelers fans have to be feeling whiplash. Like, we, you were just here. In you know being considered a Super Bowl contender, I think by casual fans, you know this time last year, go to eleven and zero, and since then it's just been absolutely horrendous. Uh, but you know I don't really feel bad for Big Ben, so that's it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't see a Mike Tomlin team falling off quite this much. Like like you said, like we all last year we were like, this is fake, this is not real, this is not this is not an eleven and zero football team. Like, do not compare this to other. 11-0 football teams in history. We we were saying that for sure, but to drop off this far, uh, yeah, it's just been really, really ugly. Uh, Lions at Vikings. Vikings giving eight and a half here, um, which that seems – I thought – you know, I looked at it, I thought it was a big spread for a Lions team that's been pretty feisty, but uh, you point out that it's hard to be feisty week after week after week. And yeah, so you actually went it's, it's tough. I think last week we kind of saw the – the wheels right. fall off a little bit on where this Lions team uh, was doing. Because, uh, you know, they they played teams tougher than that Bears team. Uh, and, and I think that, yeah, that game kind of got away from them a little bit uh, towards the end. They couldn't keep Justin Fields down. And I think that, you know, talent wins out in the end. And it's hard to just put up forth those efforts week after week after week. And then you lose your best pass rusher. I, I think this is the game where the Vikings roll. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense to me. I mean, Kirk Cousins was terrible last week and uh, may as well, m- might just have one of his Kirk games this week where he goes for like 390 and four touchdowns. Yes. It happens. Uh, Packers at Bengals. Uh, Bengals are getting three and a half. Uh, I went Packers. There, it, it's, it's, it makes me sad to say, but I, I kind of feel like we're underrating this Bengals team a little bit, maybe. Because, uh, like, quietly, their pass defense has been uh, pretty good, and I, I'm sure that is 
partly because of of who they've played. But, you know, they're like fourth in yards for play, uh, seventh in first down percentage on defense. Like they're actually kind of showing up when they need to. Uh, so maybe this is going to be a tougher test for uh, the Packers than I think. But right now it's just kind of hard for me to think that, you know, they're good enough to take down Aaron Rodgers. But I think that, you know, in terms of, season building narratives as we go along with this Bengals team, like this is, this is a, a pretty huge game for them because uh, you know, you've got the, the Vikings week one, which they can be all over the place and they were just okay that week. Uh, you got the bears week two, which was a loss. You played the Steelers week three, which is, you know, we just talked about uh, mm-hmm. the mannequin. They have playing quarterback there. And then, <laughs> uh, you got the Jaguars last week, which, you know, you got them pre-scandal, but it's still post-scandal because it's always Urban Meyer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that brings that brings us actually to uh, Titans at Jags. Jags getting four and a half. Both of you went with the Titans. You you are you are seeing the Urban uh, distraction as uh, something that will hurt the Jags here. Yeah, I mean, they said this week earlier that they had to cancel means about the Titans right. to. Yeah, <laughs> to, to deal with this like that, you know, it, it, I, I tend to be someone that when I hear, you know, player X is a distraction, yeah, like, OK, whatever. But no, this is like a real deal distraction that the Jaguars come need to power through. And I think it's just so funny that you have had a, you're going to have a 10 day break from your, you know, your Thursday night game against Cincinnati right. to the game against the Titans. And you've wasted about half of that prep time by dealing with this you know, nonsense that Urban has brought into your lap. So, you know, the Titans, they are super duper banged up. Uh, you know, you can go out and look at their injury report. Last time I looked, I, w- I want to say they had 22 players on the injury list. Uh, looks like Julio Jones is probably going to miss this game too with a hamstring injury. Uh, AJ Brown practiced this week. So we'll see what happens there. But that that's 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 tough, but not as tough as dealing with your head coaching and cheating scandal in the middle of the season. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh- uh, kudos to Trevor Lawrence when he was asked about this. I thought his quote was, uh, you know, obviously he's been in the national spotlight for a long time. Like he knows uh, he, he's this is not new to him, but the way he handled it, uh, he's still my head coach. I still respect him regardless of what happens. Like it's such a dagger to just be like, well, yeah, like he's he's the head coach. So I, I sort of have to respect him i get paid to respect him like it was it was very revealing without being 100 revealing you know like it was it was shrouded enough and uh he had other quotes saying like oh we're coming together as a team everything's like he's saying all the right things right he's saying the things he has to say but uh you do not have to to read very far between the lines to know that this has been a mess that none of the players I think appreciate or uh, really wanted to deal with this week. So it's uh, yeah, it's the Urban Meyer experience, man. Yeah, it's, uh, Bears. It's yeah, yeah. Bears at Raiders. Raiders uh, giving four and a half here. Uh, I took the uh, the Raiders here. I I, I want to like, take Justin Fields in this first game, but I just feel like this, this pass rush is going to be a lot to overcome. Uh, it's. It, it like this Raiders defense has been like you know weirdly kind of good this season. I know last week mm-hmm. the, the Chargers was uh, kind of a bad performance for them, but hey, man, this, this Bears offense is not anything to get too excited about. So you know, I think Justin Fields will have his plays, but just when you have like the overall cohesion of where the Raiders are right now, uh, I'm going to take them. 
Yeah, uh, I guess Derek Carr was a, a little miffed about the uh, about what Bosa said. Huh? He was was not happy. Yeah, he wasn't very happy. Oh <laughs> uh, man! Well, I I look forward to the next time those teams play, and he he can stand in there when uh, Bosa is coming down on him. See how that goes. Uh, Brown at Browns at Chargers. Uh, Chargers. Uh, wow, they're giving one and a half here. Um, it's just revealed that Baker Mayfield, who's not been anywhere close to his, you know, very decent self, um, he's really been off this season. He apparently has a a left shoulder injury, so an, an injury in his non-throwing shoulder, uh, and everyone now is trying to figure out how much that is impacting him. Uh, he posted to Instagram sort of one of those uh, like inspirational messages where he's going to keep battling and everyone has each other's backs and we love each other and change yeah. the, change the course of humanity or something. I don't know. There was a lot, there was a lot to the message, but yeah, I didn't uh, love it at all. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you see happening here? Uh, you went with the chargers. Uh, I mean, Baker's just not playing well right now. I don't know how much the shoulder injury has to do with that, but just like, in a vacuum, like I'm going to take Justin Herbert over Baker Mayfield uh, pretty mm-hmm. easily. And, you know, I think Baker has the better team around him, but uh, it, it's just, it, it's just you know, with the spread this small, I, I just am inclined to take the, the better quarterback. I mean, one and a half points. Uh, it seems like Vegas looks as a team, like the Browns are, are slightly better, and that's how I view it too. But when you have a quarterback as talented as Justin Herbert, uh, you know, even with the Browns defense being a tough challenge, especially on the ground, uh, you know, I, I think that he's going to be able to make some big plays this week. Uh, 49ers at Cardinals. Cardinals giving five and a half. Uh, Charles Curtis went with the Niners. You stuck with the Cardinals uh, just because Kyler Murray is playing so well. Uh, I guess this is another team in, in flux. Like, we, you know, the, we talked a little bit about the Bears and is the offense going to be built for – Justin Fields and it, uh, you know, Jimmy G has been his typical Jimmy G self. He's dealt with injury. At some point, do we see this offense turn to what it needs to be for Trey Lance to succeed? You know, it just feel it feels like this is this is a hard game to bet on because Kyle Shanahan we know is really smart and can uh, can probably find a way to win with Trey Lance under center, but he's been trying to do a lot, right? He's been trying to work him in slowly. He's been trying to optimize Jimmy G, which is, as we've discussed so many times in this show, a tough thing to do. Uh, so it's just a question of like, is this the week that he unveils whatever he needs to do with Trey Lance? Uh, and it's, you know, we have no indication. It's, it's hard for us to know that from where we sit. So what do you see uh, from this game? Uh, yeah, I, 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 I like the Cardinals. I, uh, Trey Lance didn't play all that great when he got in last week. Uh, mm-hmm. And Kyle Shanahan, after the game, he was like, oh, you know, I didn't really have a game plan for him, which I guess is fair. Right. I, I guess that's kind of fair because you're not going to the game expecting Jimmy to get hurt. So maybe you should at this point. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, at some point. This is, this is kind of the reason why you picked Trey Lance, you know? <laughs> right. because, because, you know, that after the, the draft pick, they talked about Jimmy's availability. So, you know, I, I thought that maybe you would be more – you know, cognizant that this is a possibility. But, you know, I, I think, you know, getting ready for this Cardinals team is tough. I will say that the Cardinals run defense is so bad that the 
the 49ers might be able to win the game that way. But, you know, on the flip side, like I, I just don't really think that this 49ers secondary is, has much to write home about right now. And the Cardinals offense is just overwhelming. So I'm going to take them. Uh, but, you know, now that I think about it, if Trey starts, they can really get that running game going uh, because you know, right. that's just an added dimension that you have to take care of. And they're not taking care of the little stuff right now. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Giants and Cowboys. Cowboys giving six and a half in this one. Both of you picked the Cowboys. Yeah, uh, I think the Giants might be a little bit better than as, than the record suggests, but sure. Joe Judge is still really bad at this, and so is Jason Garrett, and they're kind of squandering the talent they have on the team right now, and the Cowboys are doing the opposite by maximizing who they have out there. So uh, I'm going to take the Cowboys. All right. Uh Bills at Chiefs. Chiefs, uh, wow, Chiefs minus 2.5. Interesting. Look, I think the Bills have a claim to be like the best team in the NFL right now, but they also just played Davis Mills, which I think is probably skewing all the numbers uh, right now. Right. Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure in terms of basically like pass defense, turnover percentage, yards per play, first down percentage, they're like by far the best defense in the league, which, you know, so far we have a small sample size, and that sample size is going to be skewed by – uh, playing Davis Mills, who threw like 87 yards and four interceptions. So uh, Patrick Mahomes is a little bit of a different challenge. I do think that the Bills are a better overall team, especially when you look at where the Chiefs defense is and how they're, you know, basically on on pace to be one of the worst defenses that we see in quite some time uh, and the worst defense of, you know, this Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid era in Kansas City. Uh, so, you know, Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs should be able to have some success. But at the end of the day, I'm going to roll with the Chiefs because they have Patrick Mahomes, and I really don't have anything more deeper than that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was a little surprised that so many people were so quick to anoint the Bills after beating the Texans because it was like, to me, you just sort of throw that game out. It's like, you know, how much do you really learn? I mean, it felt like a, like a college, like a, 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 a an FCS game, you know, like Alabama or, uh, somebody playing a, a team from a different level and like, you know, they just went out and beat them the way they're supposed to beat them. 40 and nothing's obviously a big shocking score when you're talking about an NFL game, but like it's, it's hard to really quantify how overmatched that Texans team is uh, just in general. And, you know, the bills showed some warts early in the season. I, I, I for one definitely still have some questions about them. So, uh, you know, I think it's fair to go with the Chiefs, as you did here. Uh, Colts at Ravens. Uh, this is the Monday night game. Ravens minus six and a half. Yeah, I I think the Ravens because Carson Wentz is not very good. Lamar Jackson is very good. Uh, you used verbs this time. You used ver- in in your story. You just you got rid of the verbs. You were so done with this story. Carson Wentz not good. Lamar Jackson very good. This is the analysis you crave. Yeah, so. that's really all I got. I mean. <laughs> Once played better against the uh, the Dolphins last week, but I think the Ravens provide a little bit of a tougher test. And then, man, like I I I I think that after this game, we might have to start talking about Lamar Jackson like as an MVP candidate. Uh, I don't know if people are there right now, but you know the things that he's done to keep this offense afloat uh, with all the injuries they've had has been like absolutely incredible to me. So. Uh, I'm going to take him uh, with the points. I think they, you know, play a pretty convincing game on Sunday. 
Uh, and, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm excited to see what Lamar Jackson can do because I think right now he's playing some of the best football uh, of his career. If, he, you know, Marquise, if Marquise Brown doesn't come into that Lions game with, like, you know, grease all over his gloves, <laughs> you're talking about, like, a, a four-touchdown day, that game. So, right. Uh, and the next week he makes that, like, diving. You know, he was wide open and, he, like, it's probably – looked more impressive than it actually was, but he, you know, makes that diving catch. Right. I'm like, where, where, where was that? Like, <laughs> when, when these passes were just hitting you straight in the hands, like, that's it. Uh, so, you yeah. know, I, I, I think Lamar is playing great football right now. Uh, it, I think they might get Rashad Bateman back this week, hopefully, right. uh, because I think he's put together like almost two weeks of practice now. So hopefully he plays mm-hmm. this week and, you know, that'll be another weapon for them as they, you know, try to get back to the playoffs behind their MVP level quarterback. Yeah, yeah, I'm super excited to see Bateman. I, I I felt even going into the draft that he would be a good fit for this team and sort of the the type of receiver that they needed both for Jackson to be able to target, but also as sort of a counterpoint to Hollywood Brown. So I I really want to see that. And and there is a feeling. It's funny. There's a feeling here in Baltimore that like. There was all the dread earlier in the season because like <laughs> running backs just kept getting hurt, and then uh, running backs and cornerbacks got hurt on the same day. Like there was just all the uh, Peters got hurt. Like there was so much dread, right? So this is all narrative driven because like people were down in the dumps uh, when they, they came into the season feeling it was gonna be great, and then so many injuries, and now we're back to this point where like everyone's like, oh, it's it's magical. Like what's happening with this team is really special. Uh, the fact that they've been able to make it through the way they have, uh, so it, it, interesting for me to watch sort of the, the Ravens fans <laughs> as they go through this season. Yeah. Um, but you know, Lamar is just like it's, it's he's great, man. Like. You know, I don't know how many times we have to say it, but he's a really special player. He's still growing. He's only 24 years old, still adding things to his game. You can see it as uh, a really, really fun player to watch. Uh, all right. Is there anything we didn't hit on from this week in the NFL? Anything going on? Anything lingering in your brain, Chuck? No, I think we kind of hit on everything. I mean, it was overshadowed by the Urban Meyer stuff, and that doesn't appear to be going away at any time. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean – his whole, his whole like, oh, this is this is not something for me to fix. It's with the leadership of the team. Like, I, like again, he's everything about this guy is so transparent, yeah. right? Like, trying to act like a, a coach of the people that uh, just puts his faith in the players is like it's fraud. Pretty, pretty, yeah. Absolute fraud. All right. This has been The Counter. Uh, find us on Twitter. He's at Forverts. I'm at Chris Corman. Read for the win, ftw.usatoday.com. All sorts of stuff there uh, that you'll enjoy. And join us next week. We generally have been releasing on Tuesday afternoon uh, once Charles posts his weekly Forverts column, an absolute must read each week. Uh, so hopefully we will talk to you then. Thanks for joining us today. Take care. The Counter, an NFL podcast from USA Today Sports. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left.
Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.